Hello, everybody. This is Mark Vines, and welcome to The Mark Vines Show. And thanks again for joining us on this one-stop shop for everything conservative, freedom, the American way, and really just the way you ought to live your life if you're smart. And folks, it is the middle of January, and man, oh man, oh man, was it a good day for the Commonwealth of Virginia. We had the inauguration of Glenn Youngkin, um, who brought in a conservative administration into the Commonwealth for first time in well over a decade, I think it it is. And um, But along with that, a lot of changes come in this way, and a lot of changes in personnel. And also, if you have forgotten, uh, the Republicans have also taken back the House of Delegates in Virginia. So it was a good day. Uh, and with that, I just want to start out the new year and bring in our old friend, uh, Frank Runnels, who is the host of the podcast Lies People Tell. So if you have not heard his podcast, please check that out. So Frank, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Mike, for having me on. Well, it's a new day. It's a new day in Virginia, Frank. Tell us about it. Well, uh, I was heartened to see that the, the new AG fired about 30 people uh, the the day he took over, which is very, very heartening to me because that shows that the guy's committed to actually doing something. He's not just all talk. He's action. And uh, that's what I want to see. I'm sick and tired of all these uh, phony baloney uh, conservatives and Republicans that talk a good game until they get in the office and then it's sort of like, well, you know, we have to moderate and all this stuff. Not at this point. We're we're too far down the rabbit hole to moderate a whole lot. We need some action. So I'll, I'm glad to see the AG do that. I think Youngkin is doing the right thing by eliminating the uh, mask mandates and uh, CRT and those type of things. But, you know, we'll see how it gets implemented and how much he's going to hold people's feet to the fire to make those things happen. Yeah, uh, no doubt, no doubt. But let's let's do cover a few things that uh, are really, really good for Virginia and, frankly, the rest of the nation. Okay, first and foremost, first and foremost, this, in my opinion, and I'll get your opinion on this, Frank, is a bellwether um, state. This is, for those of you that are maybe are across the country or maybe overseas, I can't tell you how important Virginia is is and what a message it sends. Virginia butts up right up against uh, uh, Washington, D.C., particularly Northern Virginia, which is still blue, even with Youngkin coming into office. But to have a state that is so close to Washington, D.C., and has become deep blue for over a decade, this really sends a message leading into uh, the, the midterm elections, which are coming up in November. I mean, do you agree with that, Frank? Yeah, I think it does. Uh, I think it, it definitely sends a message that uh, their policies aren't working. And even more so, it sends a message. It's a shout across the bow to the Democrat Party that there are Democrats in Loudoun County, Fairfax, which we know are very, very ultra liberal counties. And they will only go so far down this crazy rabbit hole that the, the Democrats want to take people. And that is making them start start to tack to the center a little bit because they're looking saying our policies are just stink like pigs on ice and no one likes them. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, if we continue on the path we're going to be, a shellacking is the nicest way to say it. It's going to be on bloodletting in November. Oh, yeah. I hope it is. I, I think it is. And unless there's some sort of a miracle that happens for Joe Biden, and I just can't imagine 
what kind of a positive miracle. There's going to be a lot of miracles that happen, but I think they're all going to be bad between now and November. Um, I just can't imagine things turning around. And for the Democrats that are listening, this is going to be a bloodbath, folks. I mean, politically, it's going to be a bloodbath. It has to be. And and I got to remember, well, you guys got to remember, too, you almost lost New Jersey, too, which is amazing. But you definitely well, lost Virginia. You, well, you look at the speech that Biden gave in Atlanta this week, and you know, not only is he, you know, we're all used to being called racist by this guy, but he's calling uh, cinema and mansion and anyone else that may be uh, not affiliated with his complete line of thinking racist and bigots and comparing them to all Democrats, Bull Connor, you know, George Wallace, all those, they're all Democrats. And he said, well, do you want to be like them? Well, I mean, what, Democrats? But put that aside. He's calling everybody these names. And if you look at it and just divorce yourself from the antics of what he's calling, this is a man that's throwing a temper tantrum because he realizes this isn't working and no one's buying it. And he's flailing around and he's starting to strike out because he's getting upset because he thought this job is going to be easy. Well, it is easy unless you're stupid, you know, let's set aside Biden's uh, mental incapacity. Uh, is he slower than he used to be? Yeah. But is he incapacitated mentally? No, he knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah. He's a chameleon. Always yep. has been a chameleon. And he's, you know, towing to the far left. Not not to anybody but the far left at this point. And Michael Goodwin wrote a uh, column about uh, uh, Biden or in his uh, Atlanta speech. And he said that that speech wasn't to do anything but rally his base, his far left base, to let them know that he's doing everything he can. That's why it was so vitriolic, because he's trying to appease the Elard Omars and the AOCs and like that. So is this a man that looks like he can actually step back and write this shit? No way. He's a, he, he's a lame duck even before his first year is done. Yeah, and I've never bought the argument that this is all due to him being in cognitive decline, which he is. I, I think it's it's obvious. If you if you can't see it at this point, then you're you're completely blind. But I think people forget that this is this is Joe Biden. Um, yeah, he's in decline, but he's on board with the things that they're they are pushing right now, folks. This is what the Democrat Party today is all about. They are hard left. They are Marxist, and there is nothing. Name one policy. Name one that is good for the United States. I can't think of any. I can't think of one thing that this man in his administration has touched that has not turned to just complete crap. Now. What we're talking about here is uh, the new governor in Virginia. You think, okay, well, wait a minute, Mike. You just shifted to uh, you shifted to national politics, but we're we're talking about uh, you know Yunkin in the governorship. No, no, no. This is what what's what what needs to happen is we are showing we are demonstrating in this whole process why the really the genius of our founding fathers and the idea of federalism representative government you got to remember we are not a, a straight democracy this is representative government and what you've seen under the biden administration and under the obama administration even is this attempt to federalize nearly everything and have centralized control, which is not what the founding fathers wanted. They wanted representative government and decisions to be made for the most part at the state level. 
And you have people like Youngkin and DeSantis down in Florida and others that are saying, you know what, you're not going to tell us uh, out in Texas, you know, Abbott out in in, uh, in Texas. They're saying, no, we, we have we have responsibilities in our states and there are things like voting. Um, in the, you know, the voting process and how we're going to educate our children and a lot of other issues, you're not taking that away from us. And that's the struggle that we're starting to see right now. This really is a clash of ideologies. It really is. Uh, yeah, absolutely. No doubt. And, you know, you can't, you can't separate uh, and you should be able to, but we can't separate the state government from the federal government at this point because they are trying to nationalize not only our election, but we've uh, essentially have federalized almost all of the things we do, even at the state level, because the federal government has usurped the, the state's authorities and the states many times haven't fought back on it uh, about what they can and can't do. Like, you know, protecting the border and sealing the border. And you have a some federal judge, they go judge shopping and find the one federal judge hidden out somewhere that says, yeah, yeah, yeah Texas, you can't protect your own border, which is crap, and it'll appeal, be appealed up. Uh, but it, And it'll eventually go to the Supreme Court, and who knows how that will go. Mm-hmm. But they have allowed, too many states have allowed that to happen, and, and some states are fighting back at it. Here's my solution, you know, in that type of thing. Just uh, look at him, the federal judge, and do like the Democrats do. Just say, oh, okay, that's nice, and then go ahead and do what you want anyway, because that's what the Democrats do. Oh, yeah. They don't care what a federal judge rules. They'll just go ahead and do it anyway. That's right. They, that's exactly what they'll do until they are absolutely ordered not to. But in, in the meantime, they will proceed, just like Biden did with the mask mandate. You know, and, and making right. employers with over 100 employees, you know, you will, you will do this. But then look, you know, Supreme Court turns around and says, no, you can't do that. Can't do that. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, so we need to start. We need to play hardball from this point out. There's no reaching across the aisle. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. You know what I mean? That, that's not going to happen because... Uh, that's, you know, that's going into a boxing match with your hands tied behind your back and just hope that the guy, the guy doesn't beat you to death. Sorry. It doesn't work that way. We need to go in there fully armed and prepared to do what we have to do to win back the plurality. But in that same vein, we need to win back the plurality with people that are going to do the right thing by us. We don't need another any more Liz Cheney's or Kinzinger's or Romney's and like that. We need hardcore people that are going to stand up and do what they say and, you know, and back their constituents. Now, that's the other thing that's lost with these guys is they're, they're representing their district or their state and they get there and they sort of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just going to represent whatever I think I think is good for the nation. No, no, no. I want you to be, if you're from Wyoming, you need to be doing what's best for the why people in Wyoming. And if everybody does that, it's going to be messy. It's going to be contentious, but that's how it was set up. So you can finally find a common ground that no one gets everything and no one gets nothing. Everybody gets some of what they want. And that's how it's supposed to work. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, you have the, I, you hear these people that don't understand American politics and the founding of the nation that say, I just wish everybody could get along. I, I wish that they would stop the bickering and the fighting in, in Congress. And I think that if you if you are somebody that, that says that, you know, no offense, but you don't understand the purpose of the federal government. Our founding fathers set up the government in order to do that. They wanted fighting. They wanted people scrapping. We, this is not a monarchy, folks. This is, uh, our government is set up for debate and checks and balances. That's why we have, uh, you know, three branches of government, so they could, be, and they're equal. They were designed to be equal in their, their powers, and that's why we have it. Now, it's only in, in recent times that everything is done by decree. Everything's been done by executive order, and, um, you know, that's that's why, uh, you know, Biden was able, he went out with an executive order and said, you know, all employers with over 100 employees will mandate uh, vaccines, will mandate masks, you know, all these different things. Well, hold on now a minute. Um, when did we stop legislating that? That was never federal law. Uh, you know, for example, uh, Frank, you know, I've been doing a lot of flying lately and I hear this all the time that, you know, there's there's federal, federal mandate that you have to, you know, fly with a mask on. And if you don't, you're going to face all kinds of consequences to, to include possibly being jailed. And, I, and I've sat back and I've thought, when did Congress legislate that? Is that the law of the land? I don't remember that going right. through. No, I mean, but, right. we, but, but people keep, for, they're not paying attention to this happening and allowing the government to just come in and say, we're, we're going to tell you what you're going to do. And nobody sits back and says, but isn't that what Congress is for? If it's that important, really, this whole thing about being masked on airplanes, if it was that important or uh, mandating vaccines and masks for employers with over 100 employees, if it was that important, wouldn't you have run a bill through Congress and, and gotten their buy-in? Well, well, if it was that important, we wouldn't let two million unvaccinated illegal aliens cross our border every yeah. year. Yeah, you know that's why that's why I can't take any of that stuff serious because until you fix that, I don't want to hear about it. You know, it's just it's as simple as that. I mean, you there's absolutely nothing you can say. You have no moral high ground to preach to me or anyone else unless you fix that. Because not only are they letting them in, they're creating a super spreader event where they fly them to all these different cities, unbeknownst to this the state themselves and the governors and drop them off and say, ah, I know you could have good Lord, whatever, uh, go, go out there in the population and just spread it around. Yeah. I, mean, I heard today, actually, I, I heard on another talk show, they were talking about, um, you know, governors just taking the people that were flown into their States without their permission and then just transferring them up to Delaware, <laughs> you know, right. Biden's home state. Right. And just, just send them out. Great. You, you want them all here? We're, we're going to dump them off in uh, Delaware and you can take care of them. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. They, that's what they should do. I mean, you, you got to sometimes uh, just play fire with fire. Sometimes you just have to, you say, you want this? Okay, you're going to get it good and hard. You know, be careful what you wish for. You know, and, <laughs> So yeah, but here's the thing, you know, we got to take, we got to take the the house, we got to take the Senate, we got to take it with the right people, and then those guys that get in there have to be held accountable. Yeah, and we have to ask them why haven't you passed a law, an overwhelming veto-proof law, mandating to say the the airlines cannot force you to wear a mask, cannot force children under a certain age to wear a mask. You know what I mean? 
when are they going to get around to doing that type of stuff? It's easy to talk, go on Tucker Carlson and talk all kinds of smack and how they're going to do this and this and this. Until you've uh, proposed some legislation, especially if we take control of both uh, the House and the Senate, and try to push that to the president's desk and let him veto it and then try to override the veto, I, I really don't want to hear about what you're going to do. Yeah. Don't, talk's cheap, man. Talk is cheap, and there's a lot of talkers in there. Let's see some action, man. I want I want that that legislator that I never see on TV but busily cranking out these bills and forcing votes and making people take a stand on these position so we can all see where who's really behind us and who isn't we that's what we're sorely missing yeah because for you republicans that are out there um we are trending in the right direction and that's phenomenal it is but guys there's a difference between running for office and being in office and you know for those of us that are pushing and pushing and pushing to get you into office you damn well better take some action when you get in you damn well okay um, but we have all kinds of silliness going on in this country right now. Like, as I mentioned earlier, I fly all over the country right now, and um, just th- this mask mandate silliness is just that. It's silliness. It No one really takes it seriously. You know, it, it's funny because I, you know, I'll go to the gym. Um, no one's wearing a mask. I go to Walmart. Nobody's wearing a mask. You know, everybody's, really people have gotten to the point where they've moved on with their lives, but yet the one place right. you can't go is to work without a mask or without me. Right. I'm, I'm getting a little tired of, uh, you know, I went to a concert the other night and I had to show, uh, I had to have uh, a driver's license and I had to have, have my vaccine card to get into the venue to to see this particular uh, act that, that I went to go see. And getting a little tired of that, you know, getting a little tired yeah. of having, I you know, because if you didn't have it, you're not going to go into the venue. Now, it's interesting that I have to show my a driver's license and a vaccine card to get in, but the Democrats are pushing to not show an ID to vote, okay? But I have to have an ID and a vaccine card. You know, the, none of this makes sense. None of it makes sense. And we the, need the and adults that, back and that's home. that's the key. Yeah. And that's the key. The key is that they have to take that and, and beat that over everyone's head. Listen, you can't say that people cannot uh, show an ID. It's too onerous for people to show an ID to vote. It's too onerous for them to stand in line to vote while at the same time saying you must have two forms of ID to get into a normal venue to do anything. And people are standing in line to get a test that's not available, but yet they're forced to go get these tests. You can't make those arguments on both sides. And that's the conundrum they're in. It's like, they're going to say, well, we can't, you can't expect people to do this. But then they'll turn around in the same breath. But you have to go get a, a, a test done. And if you have to stand in line, so be it. That's life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so it's, it, but someone has to be smart enough and articulate enough and persistent enough to bout, beat that into the head of every sentient person in America. Because a lot of people aren't buying it. And a lot of people don't seem to understand that. No. And this is, this is like being in high school. And you're at home and you're having the wild keg party in your house. And it's been going on and everything's turned upside down and beer cans are everywhere. And then mom and dad come home. That's where we are right now. Everything has just become insane. You know, the children are not developing. You know, people aren't in school. Um, 
mental health issues have gone through the roof. Drug addiction has gone through the roof. I uh, I read an article just the other day, Frank, that um, opiate overdoses are the highest in our history right now. But we're not talking right. about this anymore. And, right. you know, all this is going through the... Ma- and, and it's just we have never treated any health issue this way in, in human history. I know. And for right. those of you that say that people are dying left and right, yes, there are people dying. But if people go back and study history and look at the Spanish influenza at the um, uh, at the turn of the century, it was horrendous. And we still didn't lock down in this way back in those those days. And I'm at the point now, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. Absolutely not. In fact, I've been vaccinated. I've had COVID and I've been vaccinated. And by the way, I got the booster. So, you know, I think you can be pro-vaccine, but anti-tyranny at the same time. And when my government tells me that by having the vaccine, by having the booster, I'm safe. And if you want me to take your word for it, then I'm safe. And I'm not worried about people that are unvaccinated. I'm not worried about going to a concert. I'm not worried about going to a game. I'm not worried about going to the gym because you told me that this was going to work and it either does or it doesn't. And and if it works, then I should care less whether you're wearing a mask, I'm wearing a mask, or you have COVID or not, because that's what you told me. And and people are not paying attention to the fact that the the goal line, the goal keeps shifting. Yes, it it, it has right. shifted. They keep, they keep moving the goalpost every time you get close. You get to the end zone, they move it again. And now it's like, well, now you can't wear a cloth mask. It has to be an N95 or a KN95. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And those things, I don't know if you've worn one, they're incredibly uncomfortable. And they want you to wear that eight hours a day when you're at work. When you have, not only do I have the vaccine, I have natural immunity just like you because I had the COVID. Right. I cannot give this to anyone. I And I can't catch it from anyone. Please just leave me the hell alone. Yeah. You know, they won't do that. They got to keep poking you. They got to keep poking you. They got to keep poking you until something happens. And then they say, see, told you they were a bunch of uh, insurrectionists insurrectionist trying to take the government down. <laughs> it really, it, it's like they're baiting you all the time, you know? Yep. It's, it's, and it's getting very tiresome. It is. And uh, what, one of Glenn Youngkin's, he came out with 11 day one in office executive orders. And if you haven't checked, uh, we're not going to go through all of them because some of them um, are probably lesser known issues, but the, the biggies obviously are CRT. But the, the first one is the, the mandating the children um, uh, were, were masks going to school that was done away with. Okay. And so that, that was a biggie. So we at least have people moving in that, that direction. Um, some of the other, uh, Day one executive orders, right, which I think are he's, – he's saying that Virginia it now is open for business. He's really pushing for that. Uh, mandating, I believe it was vaccines for state employees, Virginia state employees. That's being done away with. Uh, a whole litany of things that are just going to be moving us into, in the right direction. And whether we successfully address uh, critical race theory in schools or not, uh, I don't know. That's a big debate. There's already some school districts that are pushing back up against Glenn Youngkin right now. But at least it's out in the open right now. Uh, folks, I-, I cannot tell you the, the bullet that we dodged by not having Terry McAuliffe as governor. We dodged a big, big gullet, a bullet. But for Glenn Youngkin, for his staff, uh, any of you are listening – 
Um, all eyes are on you. It was kind of uh, funny, Frank, uh, a couple weeks ago here in Virginia, we had I-95, which runs up and down the, the East Coast of the United States, shut down 60-some-odd miles. You know, people were stuck over uh, 24 hours, to include Tim Kaine, who is one of our senators. He was, uh, for those of you that don't remember, Hillary Clinton's uh, v- vice president candidate, and he was stuck. <laughs> and uh, uh, Northam's, the governor at that time, his reaction to that was, you know, why why are you, it's almost like you guys deserve to get stuck on the highway because why would you be out on the highway? Well, the funny thing is Tim Kaine was stuck out on the highway as well. And the Democrats, a lot of Democrat reporters came out and blamed Glenn Youngkin for the backup when he was not the governor yet. Okay, and it was it was humorous at the time, but for Glenn Youngkin and, and everybody else that's involved in Richmond, the eyes are on you now. And we've demanded, you've been put into office, we've overturned the blue state into red, you better deliver at this point. Your thoughts on that? Yeah. No, you're exactly right. I mean, uh, the, it, he's a one-term governor because in Virginia, they can only serve one term at a time. They can't run back to back. Now, you know, he can have a a period of time when he's not governor and run again, but you know, they get one four-year term. Mm. And, you know, he, he, now is the time he has to bring bring the goods. Once again, he's given one, a one four-year term. This is his time to strike gold. Now, if he does, and he follows the DeSantis model, he could be a rock star. Winsome Sears could be a rock star. Miaris could be a rock star. Yeah. But it's all about what you do when you get in office. As you said, it's easy to run. Running is one thing. Governing is another thing. And that's, that's the, the word. They have to do that. Absolutely, and Myaris actually got off to a good start getting rid of about 30 people, uh, 30 attorneys that right. I, I think, and that's the way that it's got to be done. And for those from the Trump camp, a dissentist camp, or whoever ends up in office the next time, that's a lesson to be learned. You can't just take the, the head of an agency out. You need to go deep, and you need to get all of them out. And, um, you know, that's that's the only way because the, the bureaucracy, you know, we found that over with the FBI, ODNI, the CIA, NSA, all of these different organizations. It, it runs very, very deep and you have to go deep. You have to go deep. Yeah. Uh, hey. and, he, and not only did he, he get rid of it, he said he, he sent the, the warning out to listen for these DAs in the, in the state that aren't going to prosecute tri- crimes. That the state will the state will take them up. The AG's office will take them up. So he's trying to get away from this uh, this Soros uh, DA mentality where we pretty much let crime run rampant and we have a version of the purge every day on our streets. He's he's trying to be a law and order guy, and that's and the people want that. I don't care what what stripe of political stripe you are. Everyone wants to be safe you know, where they live in their community. Yep, yep. And that, and that's one of the things that Youngkin talked about, that he is going to be pro-police, pro-first responder, and we are turning this tide. We absolutely yep. are. Absolutely are. Yep. And, yep. Uh, you know, folks, because we are. We are in a battle, battle of ideologies right now. Um, you did see, and just one final thing uh, for the listeners today, and this I'm going to switch back to the federal level, but again, it, it shows you where we're getting into this battle between the federal government and the state governments. 
Um, you saw, Frank, where the Department of Justice, Merrick Garland, came out uh, a week ago saying that they, the Department of Justice is now starting a domestic terrorism unit over at DOJ. Now, uh, for the listeners, for you to understand, the FBI has always had a domestic terrorism operations unit, always had that. Um, but what we're talking, now remember, the FBI is under the Department of Justice, and the De- Department of Justice is creating their own unit. And I have my theories as to why that is being done. We've talked about on this show how um, domestic terrorism is not the national priority in the United States, not a, not at all. In fact, we uh, for this week uh, out in Colleyville, Texas, we had uh, an attack uh, which was has international connections. That's always where the threat, the the largest threat, has been. And so the question is. Why? Why the need for this unit over at DOJ? You know, and I have my theories because if you listen to the show, you know that I have pointed out that white supremacists are not, have not been, and are not now the biggest threat out there, even though Joe Biden gave a speech saying that white supremacy is the biggest threat to national security in the United States. Um, So the question is, you know, because Merrick Garland comes out and says that there's been an explosion of cases, and so the question is, well, where the hell are those cases coming from? Because I'm not seeing it. If you're seeing it and you're in this audience, call in, talk to me about it, write to me about it, because I'm not seeing it. And I was in the business of seeing it for a very, very long time. So, Frank, uh, with January 6th, there's a lot that's going on here. And so this, this gentleman that I spoke with, again, that uh, former FBI employee, retired FBI employee, mentioned to me the the feasibility of the people that set up the whole Steele dossier, and I don't think there's anybody at this point that that doubts that that was a big setup. What about the possibility that it's the same exact group of people that are orchestrating tying Jan- the January 6th events into a scenario that would prevent Donald Trump from uh, running again? Uh, what, what do you think of that, and how would that work? Well, I don't know if it's the same people, uh, but I certainly know that uh, it's they're using the same playbook. And the playbook is this. They generate something, then they deliver it to, them, to themselves, and they say, oh, look, look at what I just found. You know what I mean? So it's all fabricated. Uh, with the, the, the model that they used is uh, they're trying to, they used, I think, this Ray Epps fellow who's all over the, the Capitol Hill the day before and the day of on January 6th, exhorting people to storm the Capitol and saying, we got to storm the Capitol and da, 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 da. And then all of a sudden, you know, this guy ends up on the most wanted list and then is dropped off, which makes no sense because if you're put on the FBI's most wanted list, that means that there is a warrant sworn out for your arrest yeah. by somebody in some court. And unless you've been arrested, you stay on that list. Well, he was taken off the list, but he's never been arrested. And they know where he's at. And nobody's he's talking about this. Right. And then they said, oh, well, he's actually, after all this was said and done with the crews, they came back, they said, Justice said, oh, or the, the Capitol, or the, the January 6th Commission said, oh, we interviewed him in person, in camera, and there was nothing there. Oh, really? Well, that's funny. No one's ever heard that. And uh, if that's the case, what did he say? Yeah. You know? And, uh, you know, it's, a, it's, it's all a big 
scam, in my opinion. But like I said, the bottom line is, why are they doing it? I think they want to use the insurrection law to keep Trump from being able to run in 2024. That is such a and good point, the, and I've it, never heard that. Uh, <laughs> so for those of you that are out there that, that are talk show hosts, and I'm talking uh, to Vince Colonnese, our good friend, uh, Tucker Carlson, and uh, Mark Levin, these are things to be, you guys have that national audience, and these are things to, to really consider and think about because that is very, the more I sit here and think about it, that's more and more plausible. It makes complete right. sense. I mean, and you, why would you have, you know, the firebrands like Jim Jordan and others not part of the, the the Republicans that are on the committee that's investigating this by Nancy Pelosi were hand selected by the Democrats? Right. I mean, you know, you got the crying guy, you know, Kinzinger and the the, the Capitol Hill cowgirl uh, Cheney, and they were hand selected. They're they're as Democrat as Democrat can be. All right. So they're they're not a Republican. They're certainly not conservative. They hate Trump. Uh, but you know, this is a setup and people need to realize that. And that's why this January sixth thing is really not going anywhere. This it's not resonating with the public. No. There's no one sitting around saying Oh, geez, you know what I mean? They got him now. <laughs> no one believes this crap. They all know this is a kabuki theater. But they need to be careful what they wish for. Say you get you, you, you keep Trump from running in 2024, and then you end up with a President DeSantis. There you go. Now you got eight years, you know. So, you know, be careful what you wish for, people. Yeah. Hey, but I have to hand it to the Democrats, though. Boy, are they good. Boy, are they really good at at doing this stuff. And, um, you know, and not not to say that it's going to be payback time come in November, because we don't, we inherently, we don't operate the way that the Democrats do. Okay. But there are some tactics that you can use or at least be in kind. You know what? You guys just remember, if this is how you want to play ball, then this is how we will play ball. And when we get into office, um, you're really not going to like this. And, and and not to do bad things, but what we're going to do is we, we, are, we are the party of justice. We are the party of law. And what we're going to do is we are going to get to the bottom of this. You want to get to the bottom? You say in these committees that you want to get to the bottom of it. Oh, we'll get to the bottom of it. But you may yeah. not want us to get to the bottom of this. Because right. what we just I mean, laid out for you right now, this scenario that you just laid out, Frank, that needs to be run to the ground because it makes sense that that's what. Yeah. Because ask yourself, why in the hell did you did they pursue a president that was no longer in office? Why? Why would you do that to prevent him from running again? That's why. Right. Right. You know. It's, yeah. This is that's what it's all about, and you know they might succeed. Uh, Trump might just say it's just not worth it. Who knows? You know what I mean? Uh, and if Trump doesn't run, DeSantis is definitely running. And I'm pretty sure DeSantis could pretty much clean up anybody that goes up against him. So, you know, they might end up with a DeSantis, uh, who knows what, uh, administration for eight years. And, uh, from what I saw of DeSantis and how he's run Florida, that wouldn't be such a bad deal. Nope, it'd be a hell of a lot better than what we got now. So with that, well, we yeah, covered a lot of sure. a lot of ground tonight, Frank. We've got a lot to discuss, and we're in a new year, guys. We're in 2022, and uh, we listen. This election is behind us. We are already ramping up. 
uh, for the, the midterm elections, and meetings have already begun. Had a nice meeting last night with uh, American Veterans Vote, our friends uh, over there, that are really trying to get uh, veterans more uh, involved in the political process to include running for office. And so if you are interested in that organization, check them out, AmericanVeteransVote.com. That's AmericanVeteransVote.com. They go by AVV. Check them out. But we are gearing up. This is going to be a big year, Frank. I'm pretty excited. So thanks for coming on the show. Yeah. Well, let me, uh, can I pimp uh, a couple of things? Uh, myself? Yes. Okay. Go ahead and push uh, yourself. <laughs> there yeah. you go. Lies People Tell Podcast with Frank Reynolds. Please, uh, if you get a chance, anyone that's listening to this, check that out. Uh, I think you'll like it. I try to keep it. uh, uh, We talk politics, but we make a lot of fun of people and try to keep it uh, a little lighthearted. Also, I have a a book coming out here in the next few months. It's called, once again, Lies People Tell, uh, an FBI agent's toolkit for exposing liars and cheats. When that comes out, uh, check that out, and I'll come back on uh, the program and talk about that when we get a little closer to the publishing date. Yeah, that, that's really good stuff, exciting stuff. And if you have not checked out Frank's podcast, it is, I laugh a lot of times because it's serious. What I like about it is it's very serious at times, but then um, he points out the, uh, you know, what's funny is I don't even know that you're trying to be funny in um, pointing out the Democrats' behavior. I mean, they kind of do it to themselves. You're just pointing out what they do. And it's funny. Yeah, the, yeah. It, the, the the material writes itself for those guys. It does. It does. But thanks for coming on. Uh, Lies people tell. Check that out. And once again, folks, thanks for coming on to the Mark Vine Show. Uh, check us out on Facebook, on Twitter. Yes, we're still on those platforms. But hey, we're also on Rumble and Parlor, and uh, those are the the freedom platforms. So so thanks again, guys. And uh, reach out. Let me know how I'm doing. Let me know how things are going. Let me know how you're doing. And guys, keep your head up. This is a good day for Virginia and for the United States, and we will be talking with you soon.